here we go. Spring of 2020. This is the 1080 Outdoors Podcast Land Management Series, where our main focus is pursuing the truth for everyday hunters like you. I wouldn't say it's kind of an FU, it's definitely an FU. Chronicle and document how our season's going and give you real-time updates, overall land management practices. You have to find a way to hunt big buck where they are. Welcome to the 1080 Outdoors podcast, episode number 58. We go over week two of the whitetail season, weather forecast, whitetail overall report, we also have an interesting current event, and Jed has returned from Wyoming with stories and success. So, what's a cool 58 thing, Weston? Oh, Weston's back, too. Oh, hello, hello. He's been gone. Uh, <laughs> um, 1958, the organization NASA was actually created. Hmm. Um, What's NASA do? Well, it's big. You know, it's a space program. Stands for the. Uh, <laughs> this is just a guess. National. Not that you have a phone in your hand or anything. You look that up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be something like National Aeronautics Space Association. I'm actually pretty sure that's correct. But um, other than that, notable like number fifty eights. Sam Barrington. Mm. There was a Steelers uh, linebacker as well. My real question for you is, how does it feel to be married? It was pretty much the same as before. Just now, I'm legally obligated. Well, he said he couldn't come last week because he, because of the marriage. So. <laughs> no, I wasn't invited last week. <laughs> Taylor assumed I was on a honeymoon, which I was not. Yeah, I did. And it was Labor Day, so I figured you're yeah. doing something weird for that. Well, I was, you know, I was on the old side job. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. So. Anyways, how was the wedding? Good. It was awesome. Beautiful day. Yeah. Fun. Fun time. Perfect weather as you could ask. Oh yeah. Taylor. Yeah, Jeffrey and I were celebrating last week that I was probably the first wedding I've ever been to that I did not destroy something. I know. I listened and I, <laughs> I was laughing out loud for real during that part. <laughs> It's a, it's quite the, it is, I mean, it's a, it's a change. It's a, you really getting old, I guess. I mean, mature, I will say. I should say, it's just really mature. I don't know if it was because I was so locked in on announcing the um, rest of the wedding party, but I did not see, remember seeing you do the worm. And it was right in front of my face. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. hard to miss that. <laughs> no, it's not an easy thing to miss. But I saw a video, yeah. and I was like, oh, my God, he fucking did do it. We need to think of a different name other than the worm for when Taylor does it. Yeah, it doesn't the continue. The grub? I, I, I kind of thought about it more like as the like a, uh, a walrus. Yeah, a okay. Yeah. Fair. That's good. Fair. Um, that is good. Because, it, you know, it, they do like that flop, and then they kind of come up. On their like haunches or whatever, and I, it's kind of the same thing I do. Haunches. Well, it's kind of the same thing I do there. Like fins. Or their fins, yeah. yeah. It's kind of the same thing I do right when I come up and do that modified penetration step slide <laughs> with my arms out, accepting all the gestures from the crowd. Actually, right. like bringing up, like, come on, that's what the fingers are moving. It's similar. Jeffrey had a good, good description of it. The um, Randy Orton kind of mm-hmm. celebration from the WWE. 
So <clears throat> enough about me dancing. There's plenty of videos if you search hard enough. Unfortunately, God, I couldn't even imagine what's on my friend's phones from 18 to 25 was there was a lot of dancing happening. Mm. A lot of pants that were ruined. Yeah, not a lot that made it. Sandals destroyed. Barefoot. Jesus. Disgusting. <laughs> so we are entering week two of the whitetail season. Today is September 14th. This will be released tonight. I think I said last podcast that we'll be doing Fridays. said, F that noise, and we're doing the same day. So this thing's going to be up right after we get done recording this. So we're looking at kind of the weather and ideas for September 14th through the 20th. Um, Weston, you got any updates on your hunting stuff? You saw some something good this last week, didn't you? Yeah, um been last uh, I think Thursday night doing the old you know drive around for hour or so that I do every so often and <clears throat> in a spot where I have yet to see a deer I saw a nice basher group four bucks probably two shooters probably three that I would shoot but two for sure and then one was kind of dinkier but uh, and it was within a hundred yards of a, a tree stand location that I have um, yeah, it was just really exciting to actually see some some deer close yeah. to. Uh, and then I texted Taylor about it, and we kind of discussed. Um, but I did not get out this weekend. But uh, I just wasn't exactly comfortable enough with going to that spot because I just had, had to put a camera up like two weeks ago. Yeah. I've yet to check it. So I didn't want to go in there and, you know, really, really fuck it up. So. Yeah, we get that. Um, so here's, here's kind of how the, the – the processing works on that. You see a deer. Yeah. First thing you should do is check the weather. Ideally, you get out of your truck right there and see what the wind's doing at that location at that time. Right. Make a note of it. Then you go in and be like, well, where the fuck were they just bedded at? Think of the ob- like the, the easy um, sequence to figure out buck bedding in hill country. Wind's got to come over their back. They got to see out in front of them. So mm-hmm. those, those knobs, those little ditches that have little knobs on them. Right. And there's a, there is a ditch system that goes right down. Yeah. So you go in and take a look at what the weather data, what showed, you know, I always look between like 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. You know, as long as it's consistent, that's probably what they bedded with. Mm -hmm. Consider, you know, if it changes abruptly through the day, they might move, but I'm, I, you know, I'm guessing their move is small. Or at least they try to keep it small. You know, you might see something like a d- ditch, one side of the ditch over the other or something. But right. Um, and then you got to you gotta figure out what the thermals are doing, or at least assume worst-case scenario, because in this situation you're up on a hill dropping down um, fields into timber. Classic situation, right? Mm-hmm. And they're coming out working a – a side hill, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly what they <clears throat> In an alfalfa field. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's really nice to pinpoint where they come out because they're picking a low spot. Right, I Because know of those thermals. Mm-hmm. So, I think the best case scenario is you try to, like, well, if they're going to pick the one, like, it sucks because you're, you're, you know, that's why, that's why you kind of go into the observation mode. Right. Because you want to sit back 
let your thermals go into a ditch that you don't think they're going to come out of, ideally. And observe. And then maybe the next sit is in, is out ahead of that or something, like getting out ahead of, you know, hopefully you see where they, the, the you know, the small little ditch they came out of. Right. And you get out to, like, the next one or something, so your thermals are getting sucked down into there. Yeah. That's the thing. I didn't see them come out or where they came out from. I just saw where they re-entered yeah. into the woods, which well, in <clears throat> I don't know how realistic it is that they'd use the same path, but... I doubt it. They're probably just moving along a line, and yeah. it'd be interesting to see. Like, I'd like to see like a tracker, um, GPS, like data on how tight they they like go to uh, like topo lines. Right. So you know, you, you see like a. That's why I like those like. <clears throat> you can kind of like tell when the wood line meets a field, and like that topo line keeps running into the field, like into the woods. I mean. Mm-hmm. And. They, they seem to they that. seem to go in that way or come out that way and then but I don't know they also you see them run around in circles sometimes yeah um yeah as far as me finally got another picture of uh, V Town and I've been kind of lacking overall mature buck pictures right now I got the cell cams out and working well but I did get one this morning about 4 a.m. so I that's pretty good I, I had him at 2 a.m. And then he circled back around at 4 a.m. So it was an east wind today, this morning. So I'm just—I had a couple of places I suspect him out, out at, and I'm probably gonna try to go on a hunt this week for him, in some way, shape, or form. Um, I—I almost—I pretty much consider 4 a.m. He's bedding pretty weird, pretty close to that, I think. Especially on a day like today, it wasn't very cold. No. Um. So for the weather, weather-wise, uh, it's going to be warm Tuesday, Thursday. This is for Southwest Wisconsin, so it might change a little bit. Tuesday, Wednesday, then big drop off Thursday. Yeah, big drop off on like Thursday. Seven, Pressure spikes, 16, seventeen degrees, up to thirty point three in the day. So you're looking at, um, I think it's actually happening Wednesday night. Wednesday night might be a really good set. Yeah, because you got a south south wind, and then it switches to north. Midday Wednesday switches to north. Pressure starts shooting up, and it gets down to 42 that 40, 40 Thursday morning. So, like, really the front's, front's obviously moving through Thursday or Wednesday afternoon, so that's probably the, the spot the, the, if you can hunt during the week to get out there then. Um, and then there's so a little. In, in your opinion, you think it's better to hunt like during the front get out in or front after? of the front? In front of it? Mm-hmm. I've read like I think Wednesday night's probably gonna be better than Thursday night. Thursday night's still gonna be good though, because it's gonna be, it's gonna stay cold all day Thursday. Okay. But you got the switch, so you got we got a bunch of south south winds here, and then it's gonna switch to north midday Wednesday, and the cold front's coming. So th- Wednesday nights. I bet the pressure or the movement gets driven up a little bit. And then Thursday, it probably hold tight, hold strong. I mean, then you're looking at another good weekend. We have another good weekend because you have a, a rain event that looks like it's coming in on Monday. So you have some type of spike. You have another spike coming Friday, Saturday. I mean, 30.4 is aggressive for September. And that's what it's maxing out at Saturday morning. 
and you're riding pressure all the way in like 30, 30.2 is the lowest it's going to be on Sunday night. That's, that's intense for September. 30.4 is high, even, you know, longer in the year you get the higher average pressure gets, but like 30.4 might be like almost too high. Like you hear about that, like where they kind of shut movement down if pressure is like just too high and I don't know. There's gonna be a lot of good bucks that get killed this weekend, guaranteed. Wednesday to Sunday is as ideal of hunting as you probably asked for for September. For our area, um, and I'm, it's obviously a some type of weather event that's coming across the country, so um, we're close to the Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa border, <clears throat> so you can kind of play it play it off that and then i'm sure you know if you're further east it's gonna happen later if it's further west it's happening sooner but we're set up really nice for that wednesday afternoon i'm gonna have to have to get out now i was planning thursdays the first time i actually looked at this like intently yeah it was just the the way that i looked at it i thought thursday night but yeah that's why that's why i get into this hour that's why fucking wonder around's insane yeah Getting the hourly uh, breakdown. I played like, around with that when it, because I went back and watched a video from last year and found out that it was October 11th. So then I looked at the the weather history. That, I don't know if I sent that to you, but it was like a mm-hmm. 20 degree drop in one day, like during the day, from like oh. three, from 3 a.m. to like 9 a.m. Then I hunted that night. Mm. Yeah, so it was just you're still kind of on a, that rise. Well, it was a pretty probably. consistent wind, but. But yeah, it was it was on the rise still. Yeah, I mean, I still think like end of October, early November, the best the best one is the one that comes overnight. Yeah, and starts hitting hard in the morning because it just seems to keep them up on their feet longer. Right. And it was consistent like during the day, like twenty miles an hour winds. But our, our scenario Wednesday is about as good as it gets too. Like they're yeah. going to bed, and who knows like how they feel it, but they're going to bed with bottom out pressure, with a south some type of south wind. And then the pressure starts shooting way up, and it kicks to the north. So, those are kind of the scenarios, too, where you can maybe, you know, I'm testing that aggressive because I'm being aggressive this year where it's like, if they bed with a south and it changes, can you get into certain locations and take advantage of that? You said it's southwind switching to north? Southwest to northwest, so it's not as much of a switch. So, probably, but, but... That's a good reason, you well, know. Southwest and northwest is, 180. yeah, it's one eighty almost. That's pretty. No. Aggressive. Southwest. Southwest to northwest. Yeah, so ninety. Yeah, so like it's just like they're yeah. still on the same hillside. It's almost it's almost better probably because then, like so like southwest you could be going into a bedding area, you kick it back northwest and you might be blowing out into a field and they're coming out to that field like that's, it's a big difference. And they're probably going to hang tight on that west hill, like that leeward west hill. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like how we're hunting, uh, I drive around right now, and wow, the beans switched big time the last like three days. Like our my field here is went from, I think on Friday I I made like a mental note, I'm like, all right, so my field seems to be the last green field, and it's brown, mm-hmm. like it switched. I'd say like two or three days. Um, I just noticed on the way here that it was that it was like extremely, extremely brown every bean field that I went past. 
I think they're all brown now, it seems like. Right. <clears throat> so that eliminates – it um, doesn't eliminate it, but they're not going to be keying in on beans. No. They're moving to that last green bite of alfalfa. Alpha. Plus we got corn still getting cut out here. So second a corn field gets cut, you can be on that. ASAP. Mm-hmm. Not much better than that. I mean, even a chop field is good for two days. I like the way everything's setting up out there right now. The way, you know, they're, they're chop. So, like, I know it was unfortunate for them um, that the rain came last week. Yeah. We got a shitload of rain, and I know it um, delayed their corn removal. And it got the fields wet where I don't think the lower f- corn fields along the wood edges are going to get chopped. Whereas last year they did and it sucked because there were some of the fields like up top on high ground that was only cut while they're like impossible to hunt. Yeah. So if those ones stay, uh, stay like really – the ones that stay tight to the woods and then get cut later are just – there's nothing better because there's a visual barrier from like the road and everything else like they're tucked in there. So I, everything, the every, way everything's working right now, it seems like we're on our way to that. So we have a uh, a call in here, kind of reporting up to date. He killed last night, and he killed a good one. Dashbox? We'll see if he you see if he answers. It's two years in a row this motherfucker has killed. He killed early a monster season. early. Yeah, killed a like seven-year-old last year. And I think it was in September, was it not? If it wasn't, it was like first couple weeks of October. How we doing, Taylor? Eric, we're live on a podcast here, so control what you say. You can All say right. you can say fuck, but don't say anything like crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got Weston and Jed here, and uh, we were just talking about um, the weekly forecast coming up here. But, dude, you got it done on the second day of the season, Sunday night, right? Yep, correct. So... If you know, we're talking about weather right now, and what happened, what appeared happened at least Saturday was pretty good, but it was rainy and it broke Saturday afternoon, and then Sunday actually had the pressure spike. So, when we talk about after or before a front, you took advantage last night after a front, pressure was rising. Um, kind of break down, you know, I think you said in my text today that you actually didn't have him patterned like the one you did last year, so you must have had some nighttime pictures of him, and then he must have you just kind of played a hunch and went in there. Sure. Um, basically, yeah, we had a lot of nighttime pictures of him. Uh, a few daytime pictures, but it was kind of spread out here and there and real spontaneous and, and not that many, to be honest with you. Um, but I really wasn't planning on going out last night, but I didn't have a lot going on, to be honest with you. And I thought, well, I'll just go out and uh, I wanted to try a new spot. It, it was a It was a brand new spot. We've never sat there before. Um, so we gave it a try and, and, uh, he came through about seven fifteen. Gosh, dang, man. That's a good feeling. Yeah. So it, it was a great feeling. What was he doing? What was the setup like? So I was on a trail, um, that goes from my pasture all the way to my backfield, which I have beans on this year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time we've ever had beans on that field in seven years that I've owned this place. Um, so we're excited about that to see you know, what things would be like, how it would change the hunting back there this year. So we kind of set this spot up. Uh, it's 20 yards off of the bean field. 
thinking that it was going to be a good spot where they'd come out. Um, normally we got a cornfield right there. So you got one spot, you know, where they walk around the corn yep. and that's it. But, uh, so we were excited about that. And, um, it was about, it's about 20 yards in the, in the woods. So we got a good, good view of the bean field. And, um, it's, it's a little bit of a funnel in a sense that about 60 yards behind me, it drops off pretty steep and they do walk there over that hill, but, but not nearly as much. Of course, they like to take the easy path if they yeah. can so it is a little bit of a funnel in a sense so you'd say you're at you're like you're at kind of like ahead of a ditch there or are you kind of at you're more off like a just a point that runs off and drop then drops off it, it's kind of a ditch right there yeah. um yeah it is a little bit of a point to it it's a really a unique spot it goes down into a big bowl but it, it is steep down there and, and a lot of times they'll they'll either take the top side or the bottom side and uh you know, we're, we're obviously hunting off the top side and that's, that's where they came last night. Wow. So I'm looking at the weather history in the morning. There was a West wind and the pressure did rise pretty aggressively. It's so like 29.2 in the morning, all the way up to like 29.5 when you shot. Um, did you go in with a consideration of wind or is there a certain, is that, do you kind of have an idea how they bed in that area? A little bit, yeah. There, there's a a bedding area to the north, and then there's a bedding area to the far south. Um, so really, an, an east or a west wind works good in that spot. Um, actually, it, it's a really good spot for an east wind. I know we don't get those very often, but um, a west wind is good in that spot too. Um, so it is kind of a spot between a couple of bedding areas. Um, so we're just trying to catch them going back and forth, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. So you think he was headed out to the bean field, or you think he was just working that inside edge of a of a field line? It appeared he was just kind of working the the inside edge there. I'm not not sure if he would have made it out to the bean field or not, but I did pull the memory chip and and he was on that bean field at 7:45 two nights before that on Friday night. It would have been oh, okay. So um, he he was out there in that bean field um, 7:45. I think it's getting pretty dark at that point. I don't think he'd be shooting but uh he was out in that area so you probably caught him on his uh way to check that i would say he he was working his way out there he just kind of was making his loop i guess well and you look at so i'm looking at the weather data from friday now and he would have bedded with a north west northwest wind but it's flipped over to the east overall calm so he may you know that he probably had a different route to the to that location for whatever reason west was working for him so was the wind was the wind for you blowing down towards like the ditch or were you did you have it blowing out like into open field or pasture? It was blowing down into the ditch. Okay. So they they were working their way towards um, my wind basically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they were going to cross my my scent eventually. Uh, it, it was a it was two bucks and a doe is what came in and I had seen one doe prior to that out in the bean field. Um, the doe was leading and there's two bucks, um, behind her and they were both very nice bucks. I actually, I probably would have shot either one of them. Um, really? they got behind a big patch of honeysuckle and, and he was the one that happened to step out first. So he got the arrow. Wow, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was very unexpected. I was not expecting, um, to shoot a, a head mounter buck last night but uh it was just more to go out and relax and 
it turned out really good. Yeah, I mean, but you think about it, you know, you start breaking it down why or try to think think of the why, and you 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 know, not a lot of people hunt that wind like that because they're afraid to blow it down in there. Sure. Um, so and, you're, you're, and that's you're playing a very it, good point. You're it, playing uh, it close. If you start adding it all up, it, it makes sense, I guess, how, how it played out. Oh, yeah, it makes a ton of sense that they're just working that inside edge, catching all the thermals coming down off those fields, and then plus they had the wind to their advantage too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm sure he would have taken <clears throat> the inside edge all the way and then probably popped out the opposite side of that field or something. Yep, that's, that's kind of uh... – what they do they they don't always come out right in that corner it's a little bit of a corner too that we're in and and they will yep. loop around the hill and, and come out the other side of it a little more they have a better vantage point where they can see um if they get a little further so we were catching him on his way to that i would say so then the way that you access that essentially was was with the wind you go right across the the pasture with the wind directly to your back uh to my face <clears throat> oh okay yeah we walk we walk with um against the wind on on a west wind and that's basically that's about my only access unless i come across the field right um and i, I could do that but i i got a pretty good spot where they i don't normally see a lot of deer on that trail so it's a good spot to get in it, it's yeah. about my only option so is really. this the same farm you, you shot that seven-year-old last year that giant freak Yep, that's the same one. It, it's about, I would say, 150 yards from that stand. Oh, man. So you're, you're starting to connect the dots. We're starting to connect the dots a little bit. I've been here for seven years, and um, I shot shot one in 2015. A friend of mine shot one in 2017, and then now the last two years. So I think we're starting to get a pretty good feel of, of well, how things me, work here. Let me tell you, man, that's quite the accomplishment to kill early season, like legit, mature like bruiser box. I mean, that is not an easy thing to do. I appreciate that. I, I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, you should be. Uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what happens. You get get control of a property that long and things just, you know, they start working, especially if you start thinking about it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we've put a lot of time and energy into, you know, studying the bedding areas and, and the trails and, you know, different wind setups and things like that. So yeah, um, it, it's definitely paying off. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Another reason why I wanted to talk to you is because um, let's get let's get the crop report in here. I mean, we got the number okay. one crop guy in Vernon County. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> What's it looking like? Is it is everything early like I kind of think it is? It is a little bit on the early side. I would say um, our earlier beans, we will be going within two weeks depending on the weather but this week looks really really good you know this uh, sunny warm weather is going to mature things quite quick um so i would say we're going to be harvesting beans within a couple of weeks and there's an opportunity to be doing corn within i would say it's going to be closer to a month but um that that is definitely ahead of schedule yeah um, from a normal year so So it, it is early one of the places i'm hunting um they're actually chopping corn right now Yep. can you explain to the viewers because i'm a dumbass the difference between chopping like early season right now and cutting like normal time, like in October. Sure. So right now, um, when they're chopping the corn, the machine they're using, they just literally call a chopper. They're taking the whole stalk, um, everything, the grain and chopping it all up and putting it into a bunker or a silage bag. Yep. And then that, that crop sits there and ferments and that's what you feed to your cattle. 
versus later in the year you want it dried down and you're only harvesting the grain off of uh, the corn. So it's a little bit different process, but a lot of times they both go for the same thing for feed or um, the grain goes for ethanol too, of course, later in the year. So Yeah, I say I have so much experience with it because it happens every single year out there where some gets chopped, some gets cut. And I'm sure. like, you got two days when it gets chopped because those machines are so fucking good now. That yep, nothing they are. Left. They're quick. Yeah, there's, no, there's nothing left. So, like, yeah, two days where they, they'll still hit it, and then the, the cut cornfields later in October, I mean, there's nothing. It's hard to beat that. It is. It is really hard to beat that. It's um, This technology has changed a lot, and, and you can really get a lot done in a short amount of time. So if the weather is right, uh, we can get we can get a lot done. Yeah. In a short time. Yeah, and I'm hoping this farm that you guys, because Eric's actually the, they have our, the crops at the place that we bought this year. So, I got about, I mean, how many acres around here? You think there? I mean, thousands of standing corn acres and standing bean acres. That once that gets yanked out, I'm gonna have a little nice little honey hole here. Oh, absolutely. I think it's gonna be really good. There's, yeah, countless amount of acres around that area. It's there's a lot of crops so it'll it'll change everything once that happens once the crops are off and i'll definitely say you guys are about as ideal of uh crop farmers to work with if you're in the hunting community especially in this area of vernon crawford um do you guys go into grant or anywhere over there or just vernon crawford uh mostly vernon crawford (laughs) for the most part a little bit of richland we do touch richland just on the edge a little bit yeah so if you guys I are listening, that. I yeah, mean, we, I... try to, we try to work with our landlords. You know, a lot of guys uh, got property that they is for hunting, so we try to accommodate that the best we can. Yeah, yeah, and then with with you guys, I mean, you're running a business in mind. You're about, I mean, as good of a deal as you can get. They, they and you understand it, so like you understand the hunting aspect. You're not just, you know, I think a lot of times you look at asking that question, and you're people are gonna laugh you out of your. <laughs> just like whatever yep. yeah we're no we're just gonna crop this like so no we totally get it being uh being whitetail enthusiasts too we yeah. we understand well jesus man you got this shit on lockdown now you got you killing your deer in september like you don't even have a tough life anymore <laughs> <laughs> no it's easy all i can all i have to do is worry about work now i got a i got a good friend that that hunts here with me his name is jordan smith and we might go out and sit doubles a few times, and I'll, I'll keep scouting things and watching the trail cameras and seeing if we can get a get another nice buck pattern for him. This was actually we set the spot up for him. I I intended on doing most of my hunting out of my spot that I killed the buck last year. Uh, we got about five or six different stands on the property, but uh, this was actually his spot. And I called him and seen if he wanted to go, and and he hadn't shot his bow yet, and he just wasn't quite ready. I said, "Well, yeah. that's all right, I'll." Maybe I'll try your spot then. So that's what you get, I guess. Just the nicest <laughs> human on this planet Earth. <laughs> God, Eric, you're you're our one of a kind. We're gonna have to bring you on for these crop reports now. Yeah, give me a that call. That was some good time. shit. I, I like that. All right, I'm gonna end the well, end the podcast recording part. And All right. this is Eric Vesbach. You guys need to reach out to them if you have land around here. They're the best there is. All right. Wow. What a what a guy there. The awesome call. Yeah, he, uh, Eric and I wrestled together in high school. He's a good guy. And uh, um, what was the thing I was going to say that after we get done recording? Uh, it had velvet. Oh, yeah. Dude, the thing was in velvet. Half its fucking rack was in velvet. And it was, like, dripping off. What a fucking 
once in a lifetime thing. Oh yeah, it's insane. Because it, you just you don't get that here. No, you don't get the opportunity to evolve it. I mean, even though I did see, I to, I told you I saw it was a younger deer, but he was probably like a two and a half year old, like tall, tight racked eight, and he was in full velvet on last last Thursday. Yeah. And I was like, God, I don't know if I could fucking pass him up if he well, came I said through. it's 10th through the 15th. <laughs> Just because that's fucking sick that he's still in velvet. Yeah, 10th through the 15th, I've seen him lose it. And usually we don't start earliest. I remember it's 15th, but. Uh, all three bucks that I saw last weekend were red horns, like the muley that you shot last year. Oh, Just, you yes. could tell. And that only lasts like six hours, we yeah. thought, probably. Yep. But every one of them was just beat red. Yeah. That's what, that's what this one Erica shot was. Jed, keep the mic. You got any uh, – um, you did go hunting this weekend. So before yep. we get into Wyoming, the main part of this podcast is Jed's story about Wyoming. So um, thanks for coming for the weekly whitetail report. Um, but now we'll dive into – well, first, what's your whitetail report, I guess, before um, we end that. So – Saturday morning, I wimped out and did not hunt in the rain, primarily because I hate it. I don't blame you. Uh, Saturday afternoon, went to a place in Richland County. Didn't see anything. Saturday or Sunday morning, went to a public spot. Um, saw a pile of deer. Actually, was it pretty flooded or not? No, nobody. That's a good spot. Um, and let's see here. I saw right away, right away I had a little buck come under my stand. Um, oh, it was my first weekend hunting out of a tree saddle. Um, What'd you learn? Well, I learned it's impossible to film out of. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna self film and try and hunt, you can't do both out of a tree saddle. At least, like, I, I haven't figured it out. Just because, like, you got to turn, you got to – it's just the camera's going to be in your way mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like, out of a stand, you can kind of – you can you can work around it. Out mm-hmm. of a saddle, I have – I I don't see how I can work around it. <clears throat> um, you have to be, like, a small tree, and then you just operate pretty much everything off that pivot, like, on the other side of the tree. Well – Okay, so Saturday I was actually in a, a twisted up box elder, and I was standing on a branch, and had like the the connecting tether directly above me on a different like a not on a trunk on a different branch. I like how you can do that. Yeah, it, it's you didn't even use a platform. Hmm, that's awesome. Yeah, it was like I really like the saddle for that versatility. And then Sunday morning I was just in a pine tree. So I was just in, you know, as normal of a situation as you can be in with that. And actually, it's more comfortable than I anticipated it being, with the exception of you can't wear a belt. Like, if you got a belt on, it's going to be, it's going to make a pinch point right on your hips. Not good. What do you clip everything to, then? What, like, what do you mean? Well, you have, like, so you have, like, a harness on or something? It's, it's like a... I don't know, it's like a Speedo, basically. Like a pair of underwear. Yeah, it's like a mesh Speedo that fits over everything. And it's got some leg straps but uh, that, like, come through your crotch and hook to itself. How far up your back does it go? Waistline. So you, there's not much back support? 
Like, it, it's like, yeah, but it's weirdly comfortable. Like, my back never hurt. Like, so I've heard of, like, you have to be in saddle shape, basically. Like, it takes it takes a couple, couple, three times to really, to, you know, feel comfortable with it. Is that kind of how you felt, or are you pretty much comfortable already? Well, I spend a lot of time, like, at work being in a harness and, like, tethered off to things. So, I, no, I guess I wouldn't see that I need three times to be comfortable. Like, there's going to be pinch points that, that like, after the third time you probably won't notice. But uh, in my line of work, being that I'm semi-used to that anyways, I didn't really notice, like, any problems. But You're made for it. Right. Yeah, and I'm built for it. Whereas maybe, you know, soft little Westy, maybe not so much. I don't know. He does have a saddle, though. Do you? Oh, I thought you did. All right. It was an idea. Um, Didn't follow through on it. Surprise. But uh, anyway, yeah, so Sunday morning, little buck came through right away. Uh, took every ounce of restraint I had not to zip him. Cause really he, growing. Yeah, he was at, he was at three and a half yards, just <laughs> like I pictured it eating faced away i was like oh my god i'd never touch my bow when i saw him because like you know how at least this is how my brain works like oh early season bachelor group better get ready because there might be another one lurking but i knew that if i grab my bow and put my finger on the string like you know i'm gonna zip this thing (laughs) so i better not uh so i just took pictures of him and then uh a little while later, I had four does, well, two does and two fawns. They were on weird high alert from something. Um, like, I heard them crashing straight ahead of me, came through at, like, 70 yards, never slowed down, really, um, and just kept kept booking. Uh, and then probably an hour later, same, from the exact same spot that I saw the first buck, another two little bucks came and I like the first buck came out um, and I could see legs moving and it was like behind him and it was the same thought process. I'm like, I cannot pick up this bow until I know there's something that like I should shoot. Cause if, if I grab this bow on the off chance that there's a nice buck and that little buck comes in, just sits there, it's done. Oh yeah. It's like, I can't contain myself. So I just, left my bowl where it was and it was a good thing too because the second buck was another little guy who had very impressive mass for a like like a thick weird one and a half year old rack yeah just like those are weird it it was almost like palmated yeah yeah but it was strange for like a for like a nine inch spread he had some real decent mass (laughs) um But uh, my day, my morning sit was pretty much over at that point because Jared had shot a doe and uh, had to track that. And it was the weirdest track I've ever been on. Uh, he claimed, like, perfect double lung shot. Um, so we started, so I went to where his stand was, found the arrow, found blood right away. It was a walking blood trail. And the thing went like hundred yards, and I was like, "Jared, I don't think you hit this thing where you th- think you did." Like, yeah, it's bleeding a lot, but like deer that get double lunged at fifteen uh, yards die immediately. Yeah, you like think. they don't go a hundred yards. The well, same he, thing last year with mine. Yeah. Then he was like, "Oh, well, there she is," and like twenty yards away, there was a deer. We could see her belly, 
And I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Nice job. Take one more step. The thing jumps up and bolts. What? Yes. And, like, we both look at each other, mouths agape, and we're like, what just happened? Oh, my God. And I was like, Jared, I don't know what to tell you, but, like, you did not hit this deer like you think you did. Like, there's no way. It was, like, the shot happened exactly an hour ago. You can't, Like, deer that, deer that get double-lunged don't live an hour. No. Much less jump up and run away. Yeah, you'd think. So I was like, well, here's the deal. I've never had, like, one good experience blood trailing deer when you jump it. I was like, but if you're so sure that you, like, put that arrow right where it needed to be, like, if we find blood, I say we just stay on it. And because, like, she was heading off the public. I was like, well, if if she makes the fence line, like, it doesn't matter if we bump her, like, like whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just keep after it. If we pick blood up again after the bed, let's just keep on it. Like, fuck it. And uh, found blood right away. It was bleeding good still. And I was like, well, that's a pretty good sign. You know, because normally when they bed down and get back up, like, that's it. You don't find blood again. Mm-hmm. At least in my experience. And uh, it wasn't quite as great, This, you know, after the bed. But it was still pretty decent. And... Uh, there's there's a ditch that basically ends the uh the public and it, she was headed right towards that ditch and then I, like i was i was the last blood marker guy and jared was going ahead following blood and then he like got stumped and we were headed like down downhill and to the right so i was just standing over last blood while jared was i don't know like 15 yards away just you know, searching for the next blood. And I looked to my left and it was like a paint trail going to the left. And I was like, whistled at him and I pointed to the left. And then he like looks to the left and he's like, and hold like nods and holds the thumbs up. And I'm like, well, he can't possibly see the blood trail from where he's standing. He must see the deer. And I like peek my head up over log and I just see two legs sticking like straight down the hill and i was like well she's clearly dead if her legs are sticking straight out like that Mm -hmm. you know it's not like she's bedded again so crept up on her real real slow and she was she was done by then but uh so his broad head actually broke um like on the on the ribs on the on the entrance side so basically he was shooting some weird four-blade expandable, um, and the two big blades broke. So he just had the two little bleeder blades that went through. But it did go through both lungs. So I'm, like, Jesus. completely mystified how that deer went as far as it did. Um, but that just drives home, like, if that was a big buck, I don't know how long it would have went. You know, like, you just got to give him time. Even when you think it's perfect, like unless you see the deer unless go you down, see it die. you just gotta give it a at least two and a half hours, hours yeah. probably. I mean, granted, if it's hot or you know there's some yeah. weird extenuating circumstance, like I get it, but like if 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 it's not hot and if you're not worried about something weird, like there's just no point in rushing a track, especially job. with a chance that it's like if if you're kind of out of like ideas. There is a chance that expandable didn't open. Right. Right. So you got to play that and be like, well, what could have happened there? I mean, 
drove a goddamn field tip through them. Right. But yeah, so that's been my that's been my whitetail excitement. All right, Wyoming. What do you got? You I mean you have you had quite the trip? Not. I mean, are I'm you okay a, yet? Or no, I'm not okay yet. Uh So we got out there a couple days before season opened. Um, did a few days of scouting. Really didn't have much turned up or patterned or anything. Um, I would say the highlight of the scouting trip was I found a pretty nice elk shed and a bunch of prairie dogs. Um, but opening morning... My dad and I were sitting on a glassing knob and didn't see a deer until, well, daylight was, daybreak was about 6, so it was like full glassing light by 6.30. Um, And we didn't see a single deer until, I think it was like 8 o'clock. And it was like, it was a decent three-pointer. And I glassed him coming over a knob probably close to a mile away and watched him come all the way to like 300 yards um go down into a ditch and i thought he was going to bed down there so i thought we were in the game and then and then about 10 minutes later he popped out of that ditch like i don't know probably 600 yards away and just worked his way out of our lives um but it's kind of it's it's kind of a funny story because, like, the first deer that we saw ran right past the second group of deer that we saw, which was uh, a group of eight does and fawns, which then as we were kind of like, I don't know, keeping eyes on them just as something to something to look at, they ended up cresting over a ridge right next to a big pile of rocks that uh, all of a sudden grew a few sets of antlers as as a bachelor group of five bucks came over the horizon right in those pile of rocks. Uh, there was two really nice bucks, two medium bucks, and one little guy. And uh, so we watched them. We, we didn't see those guys until about 9, and we kept track of them until 10 when they <laughs> – the funniest part is the, the littlest buck was the first one to paw out of bed. So – this was actually the first time I saw this. Um, they'll just like stand there and take their front hoof and just literally like, flatten out a spot yeah. in the dirt. And that uh, makes a lot of sense for when you see like those areas and you yep. don't just think they're just like by happenstance probably got done by something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, this little guy starts pawing out of bed, and the biggest buck of the group runs up behind him, takes his. F- Takes his front leg and just stiff leg, whap, right in the nuts. Just kicks his this front leg. Yeah, just wow. front leg kicks this buck right in the nuts. Peter's asshole. No, Peter like n- nuts, nuts smacked him. <laughs> and that little buck jumped and ran away. You'll have big buck. Smack. And that big buck just was like, nope, this is my spot to bed. Finished pawing out the bed and laid down, and in plain sight of me. And I was just like, oh my god. This is perfect. The wind is howling, and we know where this thing is bedded. Perfect. And then the second biggest buck laid down right beside him. 
So I was like, oh, my God, Dad. Best news ever. And he's like, I'm already got our one shot first day. Yep. I was like, best news. Well, actually, I just started fist pumping. And I'm watching through the through the spotting scope. Because it's like a mile and a half away where they decided to bed. Um, And he's just watching through his binos. So he can like kind of tell what's going on, but not really. And he's like, what? I'm like, the big one just bedded. I'm like, he's going to be in the shade for a while. This like it's go time. We're oh, gonna we're yeah. gonna go kill this thing, and uh, and he's like, "All right, sweet. Like, how are we gonna do it?" So we we planned out our our stock route, like how we're gonna stay out of sight and get downwind and come in from the backside. And uh, what I did was I use the spotting scope to take a bunch of pictures of like where they were bedded in the surrounding area. Cause you know how it looks totally different coming in from the backside. Yeah. So at least I would have a little bit of a bit of a reference. And, uh, so we, we replenished on water and ate some snacks quick and started our trek. And, uh, about two hours later we were, we were coming over top on them and uh <laughs> we got to like the last 30 yards and i was like all right here's the deal i'm like those deer are better between those two sage bushes like obviously down the bank from those two sage bushes but like that's where they are you take the lead whenever you feel comfortable moving when like the wind is strong do it do not kick a fucking rock or it's all over <laughs> He's like, yeah. He was offended at that statement, but I felt like I had to make it. And we start going, and we get to the edge of the ditch, and he, like, just kind of, you know, does the old turkey peek over, and he does the quick recoil, and he turns and mouths to me, like, they're right here. I'm like, yeah, I know. Kill one of them. So he, like, peeks back over, and I can see him, like, looking back and forth like a puppy would, you know, like, ah, trying to figure it out. Right. And then he takes one step forward, shoots, and then it's just like pandemonium. A deer explodes out of a bed, and I have no clue what's going on because I was, you know, a few steps behind him. And uh, there's deer that jumps up and stops like 10 yards away. It was actually 12. Um, And, like, looks back down to where it was bedded. So I draw and shoot. And just totally whiffed the shot, yanked my bow arm, shot right in front of its chest at, you know, 12 yards. Like, I don't know when the last time I missed a target at 12 yards was, much less an animal. And then it, like, bounds away and stops and looks back again, and this time it's at, like, 50 yards. So I have another arrow knocked by the time it stops, and I send it again. And uh, I was just over its back at that point. Like, if I could have mixed my two shots, because... My first shot, the up and down was perfect. Mm-hmm. And on my second shot, the left and right was perfect. But, you know, it's just not how it goes. So, like, the deer's bounding away out of my life, what I assume is forever. And I have to have, like, a, a momentary conversation with myself. Like, Jed, you're not allowed to be a pissy pants right now. Like, your dad just killed a stud buck. You got to be happy for him. You can't be a sourpuss. Oh, my God. But can... So I I put on my happy face. <clears throat> you know, hunting is uh, a lot of stories. Yeah. 
That would have been uh yeah, dude, you don't story. have to fucking tell me, <laughs> all right? You don't have to tell me how great it would have been to no. shoot a double with my dad, giant muleys in velvet. By the way, the one that I miss is a non-typical fucking freak. I know this because somebody else killed him two days later, <laughs> which I'm not bitter about. I'm bitter that he died, not at my hands. I'm not bitter at the guy who killed him. Anyways, so... Cut him up, you know, take a few shitty pictures because I'm not a good photographer. Uh, get him cut up, pack him out. And then that night, well, you know, cell phone reception's pretty shitty out there. Yeah. So the other crew was, like, way, way north on that other public chunk. And uh, I got one, one text message from Jake just being like, hey, man, you got – or, hey, did you kill anything? And I said, nope, fucked up on a four-hour stalk. And then went back out of cell reception. Never heard from them guys until they pulled in at dark. And, you know, so there's a rack sitting and hanging up in the yeah. bunkhouse. And, uh, like, they they all come storming out of the truck. And I was just like, oh, God, there's some bad shit going on here, you know. And I was slow playing the fact that the old man got one. And I was just like, Jared, do you want to talk? He's like, no. I was like, you getting a beer? Fuck yeah. I'm like, good, get me one. So they all like walk in to get, I don't know, beer or whatever. And all of a sudden I go, I hear uh, somebody go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then they clearly looked at the tag on it because they all come out, Mark, you son of a bitch, sandbagging motherfucker. <laughs> so then, you know, we get to tell tell the good stories about it well come to find out that don ended up hitting a buck that they never found so the next day that's where all of us except mark went was to go look for that buck and see what we could see didn't turn anything up but we spent the whole day up there hunting because you know why not you're an hour drive from where we normally are so we might as well hunt it out well the next morning I decide I'm going to the place where I saw the one that I missed run off to. Um, don't turn anything up except a, a little fork who bedded in plain sight of me like 300 yards away. And I was like, all right, Mark, we got to get the fuck out of here before I decide to kill this thing. Like, I just got to remove myself from this situation. Because at that point... I just can't get over how mature you are. Yeah, I know. It's insane. At At that point... Like, my mind was made up. I was hunting the buck that I missed, and that was it. Like, until until that thing was dead, that's the only thing I was interested in. So we, uh, we end up um, checking some other spots, looking for deers, deers and beds. Um, head back to the ranch about noon, get some lunch, and uh, <laughs> Jake and Jared are on the on the picnic table, uh, caping out a buck. And Jake was running the knife. So Dad was like, oh, Jared got one, because the, the joke is always that Jared's, Jared gets one day one. You know, so yep. we were like, oh, day two, Jared's in uncharted territory. Well, then we're pulling in and, you know, see one getting caped out. And Mark's like, uh, oh, looks like Jared scored. And I was like, no, no, no. Jake's running the knife. There ain't no way he's caping out Jared's buck. Like, it's either him or Don. 
so we walk in and and uh we walk up and i was like well jake and he's like oh you'll have to talk to don and i was like oh good for you don so i walk in and he's putting formaldehyde on a rack and i walk in and i'm like nice job don like good for you and then i see what he's got and i was just like oh fuck i was like don i'm happy for you i'm proud of you like don't let the fact that i'm about to be sour for a few days convolute the fact that like i'm happy for you yeah good for you really happy but fuck and he goes yeah pretty much as soon as i shot this deer i knew it was the one you missed i'm like yep yep it is 100 percent." that's pretty crazy that that deer guy that i mean yes wow unbelievable that's i i honestly think that's the first time we've ever turned up a deer that we've stalked before yeah much less missed so and the way that they found it is just unbelievable to me too so they stop at a place like walk away from the truck they're glassing the whole the whole like surrounding area don't turn anything up so they leave and as they're leaving don turns from the back seat to look at the sunrise and he sees this rack sticking out of a pile of rocks on the horizon and he's like oh my god just because of a certain angle just because of the angle yeah Yeah. from from where they were glassing they would it was hidden i fucking hate that yeah oh it drives a man insane it's already tough enough to find them and then you get like the little angle difference so much you question yourself then after i mean everything oh yeah everything so oh it was a great story for for him too because like see he saw it made the stalk, laid on it for an hour and a half because they got to within 20 yards of him, but he was bedded down, and Don shot a buck bedded down one time out there, and we never found it. So he's like, well, I'm not making that mistake again. Yeah. Like, I'll lay here all fucking day. I don't care. So hour and a half later, the buck stands up. He actually, like, because Jared was sitting right over his shoulder, so he filmed it with his phone, and you can see the buck hump up to take a shit, and Don just zips him. Just fucking hmm. runs off. I, I he actually shot him again. It just like my last shot last year. Like literally walked up to the deer. It was still breathing, so he shot it. Um, they can't sit down forever, can they? Who? Deer. They can't lay down forever. No. I mean that's a great point for what mule deer hunting. Like you think, don't trick yourself into thinking it's like a rush. No. No, but but then my next story kind of like shows you that there's two sides to every story. So hunt for a few more days. Um, don't really turn anything like interesting up. If if it would have been a normal year, and by normal I mean if I would have been interested in chasing just any buck. Um, I would have had stalks every day, but I, like Taylor said, kind of matured and was like chasing something that. It's like a weird thing too that you're doing because you're like fighting it. I'm not, I'm not fighting it per se. I just don't like what it is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's an unfortunate. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is what it is. Whatever. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's something to talk about because. I suppose. Okay. Well, let's break it down. So I'm going through the transition that. I'm apparently late to the party for of like 
losing a little bit of bloodthirst in the fact that I'm not just interested in, in just whacking whatever I can. Like, there, okay, so the experience of stalking to within feet of a mature mule deer just, like, transformed me. Where, like, I just wasn't interested in trying to do that to small deer. Like, one, once I saw, once I crept over an edge and saw a big fuzzy rack at feet away from me, like, it just, I lost interest in doing that to not big fuzzy antlers, I guess. Well, that's, uh, that's what happens. Yeah, and, like, I've I've talked shit about guys like that. So like it's 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 a little tough for me, you know. Well, there is people who hold this. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think there's there. I mean, there's probably people who hold this thing that they'll shoot anything still, but that's not really necessarily possible if you plan on hunting a long time. And then the better you get at it the easier it is to kill that thing. So it's like, do you, do you hunt one day then? Is that like what right. you prefer to do? Right. And like my, my motto has always been like, I kill what makes me happy and this makes me happy. Yeah. Well, well that this should be. just changed. Like I had the experience. Yeah. So, we, yeah, so you're a good example of someone who essentially fought that change in some sense definitely was because it's not like you killed something big and then it changed because you killed something big a long time ago yeah it 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 it, it, i think it's a no matter what it's going to happen to someone that just gets better at hunting i don't think you can get i don't think you can improve at hunting and then just because like you're gonna get you get good enough where it you could kill that thing, mm-hmm. kill that small one pretty much at will. Almost, right. It seems like probably wouldn't once you try, if you try to do it, probably wouldn't be able to. Right. Do it. Right. <laughs> but it, it'll give you that illusion. Yeah. So then it turns into more of the trip, more of the story. Right. And I mean, yeah, story. I mean, the story of you killing a certain thing, you have to have that level of fulfillment from that hunt to really feel like that's a good story. And if you're just zinging arrows that think the first thing that walks by at some point that the natural competitiveness inside of everybody, most likely that will change. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good, I mean, you look at places where there like, isn't deer that might be different for people where it's like they, they shoot the first deer they see because they don't see deer for like 10 sits. Correct. Correct. Well, that wasn't this. Right. So fast forward to, oh, I don't know, like the third to last day. Uh, daytime high temperature was 104 degrees. Oh man, you dealt with that out there? Oh, it was brutal. Oh my god. Jared went full psycho mode and just was like, "Okay, well, I guess I'm stalking ditches for the rest of the day." I was like, "Well, Jared, that's fucking stupid. Count me out." Because um, he was getting desperate or what? Yeah, I would say he was definitely in uncharted territory then. You know, like he'd never he'd never gone like three days without filling his muley tag. But uh, it was, like, a good wind for stalking. Um, 
but uh yeah so jake and i went and found some well jake found i just happened to be with some gigantic elk sheds uh it was a set probably i don't know they were 30 yards apart he glassed up one and then on our walk to that one we stumbled down the other one um but they scored like 175 inches per side uh so yeah that was incredible i've got some i'll show you um so the next day my dad and i were out uh out glassing right away in the morning and he spotted two bucks which actually was three bucks um but he saw him bed down called me over showed me where they were um made a game plan it was it was a pretty windy day again so i felt pretty confident about it um made my plan executed it to perfection uh came up and over this bedded buck which we thought was alone at this point because the the there was like a giant two by two he was probably 22 inches wide and crazy mass um was like you know the g2 or whatever would be like 14 inches long just basically my dream deer (laughs) um and then there was you know like a normal year and a half old fork with him well while i was like making my you know mile loop um that fork got up and just left just completely left so i was was like well okay cool now i just am stalking a single deer that just made this even better um so i get to within you know three yards of this deer looking straight down on at just his horn tips and i was like well i guess here i sit until he gets up um because like i'm right where i need to be he's faced decently like if he stands up he shouldn't be facing me because i'm silhouetted directly above him you know um but like if he stands up i should have a good shot there's a there's a sage bush to my right and the deer's to my left as I'm looking over this cut bank and about an hour into this standoff uh I hear does blowing well deer blowing and I just look to my left and I can see two does and two fawns standing there about 80 yards away staring at me stomping their hooves and blowing and I was like well I guess he's probably gonna get up now and then i hear rocks moving and i was you know back to attention and then all of a sudden the sage bush to my left or to my right grows a giant set of four by four antlers and i can't see the deer i can just see the antlers like around the sage bush and at that point i was just like i am fucked with two (laughs) deer here on alert like this is not going to go well i just have a bad feeling about it while the wind was blowing just enough and I could see just enough of this deer's back to think if I can move like four inches to my left, I can zip an arrow down between his shoulder blades. So I start to move and like 
the moment I pick up my foot to move it, that son of a bitch whirls his head around and looks in my direction. Well, thankfully that sage bush was there because he couldn't see like my face. He couldn't, I don't know what he could see. I'm, he could for sure see my bow limbs, but like that was it apparently because he just stared for, I don't know, probably 40 seconds. And I'm, as I'm standing on one foot preparing to crane kick basically, or the crane, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that. Um, so like, my, no, explain it. Well, I don't know. It's like some movie. Fucking Karate Kid. Yeah, Karate Kid, where you know stands up on one leg. And, oh yeah, yeah, yep. Well, basically, I'm preparing to do that, and I'm very uncomfortable by this point. Like, I don't know if you've ever tried to stand in one spot and not make a sound for an hour. It's not fun. No. But uh, <clears throat> not possible. For me, <laughs> I would die. So, um, the deer like turns back and looks the original way, so away from me, and I put my foot down in the same spot as carefully as I can, and he like twists his ears around. So I was like, "Great, he, he still heard that." So then he like starts to walk away from me, and I was like, "Well, at this point, if he turns back and looks." I am completely skyline. I'm fucked. Like, I have to try and, mm-hmm. try and draw now. So I get to about half draw, and he's, like, he's walking still at this point, turns and looks as he's walking, and just starts bounding because he sees me silhouetted. And I was like, well, he's out of the picture. Like, back to the two-by-two. Two. Like, maybe he'll just stand up and look. Nope, he stands up and just starts bounding immediately. But I'm to full draw at this point. He's, you know, like four yards away. So I take a running shot and shoot right in front of his brisket. Um, And by this time, both deer are downwind of me. So they saw me. They heard me. They smelled me. They left the county. They did not stop bounding until they were clear, clearly two miles away. So... The child in me took over, and I, you know, kind of threw my own little t- temper tantrum, spiked my bow, threw my hat on the ground, stomped on it a couple times, and then, you know, tried to gather my wits and decide uh, standing over four deer at three yards on one trip is probably good enough. Like, get over yourself. You didn't make it happen. This was a success of a trip, even though you're a failure. And uh, I pretty much decided then, like, on any trip that I go on, if if I get to the point where it's down to my execution, that's a successful trip. Yeah. Like, if you fail based on your execution, well, that's on you. Mm -hmm. That's not the trip's fault. What do you – so is there, like, something that you're going to try to, like, change with the issue of this missing or – um, do you think like obviously you weren't anticipating to shoot when you missed that first buck, assuming like the circumstances, correct? Like you're like dad's got a first shot, he's gonna shoot, he's gonna hit one, the other one's probably gonna take off, right? But or were you obviously you were ready, but like was it a rush shot? 
type of deal, or was it just a not really sure what the hell happened and it was just a total mess? Oh, it was a total rush job. Like, like okay, looking back, because my dad shot that deer in the head and it died instantly. Um, like, I had all day to make that shot. I just rushed it. Wait, it wasn't... It wasn't looking at you. It was looking back at the other deer, like, what the hell happened? Correct. It was, like, it heard the noise of the shot, it jumped up out of its bed, bounded twice, and stopped and turned and looked back directly at the deer that he was bedded with. Well, he wasn't looking anywhere near me. I, I probably had at least five seconds to make that shot, and I made the shot in probably three-quarters of a second. Like, just total rush job, yanked my arm, my bow arm to the left, shot to the left. Just total shit show. Like, I don't know how to practice those situations in a, pra- you know, in a practice situation to get better at it. Like, I don't know. Do I need, I don't know how to, like, incorporate the stress of a real-time on-animal shot. Because, like, like Jared said, He's like, I know for a fact that you haven't missed a target at 12 yards in two years. I think it's just the mental aerobics. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how to practice those, like, exercise those mental aerobics with, like, in a non-live scenario. Trying, oh, oh, uh, um. I can hit I'll tell you how I've been trying to do it. Um. The issue most likely is probably like a blackout type situation. No, not this time, man. I was I have vivid memories of this, vivid memories. Yeah. So it wasn't say, just a lot a of blackout. times. I just try to like force yourself to try to remember what was happening during that time, and then the more you try to remember and think through everything, the more like things will slow down when they come to you. Obviously, I mean, there's nothing. Just a that's just practice. Then probably just keeping your bow arm up. If it's not the pressure, it's obviously just to bury your fucking head down. Mm-hmm. It's, ob- it's obvious that he's obviously practiced that because he hasn't missed a target. My- yeah, but you have to, like if it's different than to practice like just shooting than like actually like, burying your head down for a hundred like three hundred shots in a row. My my thought is that like I have a rhythm that I shoot like there's there's like a uh, a very orchestrated set of motions for me. Well, I don't know about that. True. But you do the same thing every time. Yeah. Where, like, when I'm practicing in the backyard, I do the same thing every time. Like, I get set with my bow arm. I draw, I shoot, and I keep my bow arm set. Whereas, like, in a real-world situation, like, it's not that. It's, oh, my God, there he is, draw and shoot. Well, I need to just practice that. Like, I don't know. Just I don't know if if it's something that I just, like, do, like, an old Western – uh, dual type deal, like walk a certain amount of steps, turn and shoot, or you know, like there's some there's something that I have to practice. I just have to figure out how to do it so that it's not just such a monotonous. This is how I get set. This is that because like yeah, if I'm shooting at a target, that's perfectly fine. But when there's a live animal that's not, you know that can move at any point in time, mm-hmm. that's obviously not going to work though would have been sick if he bounded forward though for you well yeah, yeah. it is what it is it just it sucks yeah and I mean the second shot is just like I, I shouldn't have even taken it 
you know, in, in hindsight, but like, I couldn't I, like at the point at that point, I was just like, I can't stand here for an hour and not take a shot, get fucked. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that was, she heading back out when this year. Um, yeah. No. Well, maybe, maybe. Okay. So Jake and I, cause Jake didn't kill one either. Um, so Jake and Jared are in uncharted territory. Uh, but Jake and I are going elk hunting the seventh through the 14th. Well, we're leaving the night of the seventh of October. Um, and our elk season in Colorado ends the 14th of October. And that, that, uh, rifle season for Wyoming ends the 15th. So Mm -hmm. if the stars align and we kill elk or, we're so far out of the game that we're like, fuck this. You know, there, there's a chance. We will both have our Wyoming mule deer tag in our pockets when we leave Wisconsin. I'll yeah. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, should we move into uh album? Yeah. It's your turn. You're up. Big T. It's a, it's another unique album. I'll say Ooh. that. A Star is Born soundtrack. <laughs> you sick fucker. I mean, obviously, Shallow is like, what's like the most popular song probably of, I bet it's pushing. It's insane. I bet it's pushing almost the most popular song of the tens. Oh. Maybe. I don't know. But. I will say, like, you saw that movie, not in theaters, but as soon as it came out, like, from theaters, correct? Like, oh, it was yeah. it was pretty Looking pretty instantaneously. Yeah. And I remember it, it was like a year until I actually sat down and watched it because I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't believe that it would be that good. Did you hear his pick? What's the pick? Star is Born soundtrack. Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. I'm gonna be honest with you. Movie, the uh, the conversation that I heard as I came in made me figure that's what we were talking about here. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've never well, seen movie the movie. Soundtrack. I mean, I've never seen the movie. I've never heard the soundtrack. However, I will defend Lady Gaga. Well, if you like a doll, I die. If you like a doll or, or Lady Gaga, yeah, you're gonna like this. Well, I will probably like it. She's just. She is just on another level. Okay, another so level. I, I was never like a big Lady Gaga fan until well, I watched. Well, it's a completely this. different until genre of music. This All right, I know, I know, and just to see her her talent because she is singing. I mean, they both sing it, not live during the movie, obviously. What's but the uh, What's the song that came out of that movie? Shallow. Shallow is yeah. the biggest song. Yeah. I like that one. Okay, here's you heard that song. Yeah, here's well, yeah. the thing. Everybody liked that one. Bradley Cooper too. Yeah, not bad. You know, you know, you're not an awesome singer, but he I like did, the way he just he did well enough. I like the way he just moves through songs. Oh man, and that movie—it's <laughs> a good movie. I cried too. A I really lot. wasn't a big fan of Lady Gaga until I heard a live version of her singing uh, "What's Up," the original Four Non Blonde song, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Well, you don't She's see insane. what she can do yeah. ever in her normal She's music, insane. yeah. I will never love again to end that album. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's the last one. 
Um, well, there's like 34 songs. <clears> well, yeah, like a lot of it's last one. a lot of it's like dialogue. That is the last one. A lot of it's like dialogue. Yeah, which is really weird. Which is, but whatever. But uh, I don't want to like talk. Always, about, I don't want to talk. Always remember us this way. Always remember us this way. That's a huge um, one. Um, maybe it's time, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. That's how I might have changed my life. I don't know. <laughs> but it wasn't. I watched it instantly. Bought it. And I watch it. Really it has well. to be the best original soundtrack of in the movie world. And that's that's the thing. That's the third or fourth time that that movie's been done. Really? Recreation. Yeah, that that's movie. true. That's crazy. Because it was. Uh, Those songs aren't new. It was right? Barbara Streisand, I think, and yeah. uh, Chris Christopherson. So those songs, that. Chris Christopherson is a terrible singer. Let's wow. just get that out of the wow. way right now. He is a pretty good songwriter. Yeah, great, but great yeah, song. Not a, Bad but singer. Also, good movie, but this one blew it out of the water. If you ask me, which a, uh, intense movie too. God damn, I might be like way wrong, but I'm pretty sure "Shallow" was written by uh, Jason Isbell too. Oh, you're which, going deep in the music knowledge there. Yeah, he's insane. I, I saw some article that was like the top ten songs of, or the top five songs of like the last five years, and they were all Jason Isbell songs. It was like a joke because he wrote like all these different songs for all these different people, and that was one of them. And it was that's that's a great pick, Taylor. Thank because you. I have thought of doing that as well. Not a cop out. Some people can call it a cop out because it's a movie, whatever. But yeah, well, it's probably the best movie soundtrack, original soundtrack ever. Well, that's getting pretty. Can't name one. Lion King. Okay. Tarzan. Okay. No. Those aren't real songs. By Lady Gaga and Andrew Wyatt. Okay, he wrote in the. Yeah, there. I think there is some original songs in there. He wrote a. uh, One of the songs on there, that is was pretty popular. Maybe it was the. Maybe it's time, actually, by Bradley Cooper. Well, but it's a gr- it's a good it's a good album. Good album, great album, great fucking movie too. Yeah, change your life, Jed. If you watch it, maybe so, not change your life, but it's a great movie. Get out there this week. We got a, another special special weather event taking mm-hmm. place this weekend, and uh, we'll catch you next week. This thing's going live, Thank going you. live, going up.